Welcome, friends. My name is Tammy Hall, and I want to personally thank you for tuning in to another episode of His Beautiful Mess. Each week, we're going to be talking about the pitfalls and craziness that life tends to hold, trying to navigate the chaos that it brings with it one step at a time, one day at a time, together. And in the process, realizing that regardless of what our external circumstances may tell us, we are all abundantly blessed and his beautiful mess. Let's get started. Okay, friends, we're talking about a sensitive topic today. Love. More specifically, the love of your life. I had a conversation recently with someone very close to me. And they are walking their second husband to heaven's pearly gates. It's a hard process for anyone to be able to do it once. But it takes a special person to have to do it twice. First husband, she lost to lung cancer after 25 years of marriage. The second husband, she is losing to a different type of cancer. Each one is a totally different battle, a totally different journey. But she said something that really struck my heart. She said that this husband was the love of her life. Now make no mistake, she loved her first husband deeply. In fact, she had two children with him. They built a life over 25 years, but it was a different kind of love. But her statement that this one was the love of her life really kind of resonated on my heart. And it made me start to wonder, is that statement even true? I guess it all depends on how you perceive love. What is love to you? Is love like a Hallmark movie where you have the perfect guy saying the perfect things and there's just a small bump in the road? Probably not. I mean, my daughter likes to say that Hallmark movies make it just an unrealistic expectation of what a guy will ever be like in real life. But what about you? Is the love of your life an obtainable notion or is it something you can never perceive even happening? Love comes in so many different shapes and forms And sometimes it's got some really high expectations when we're talking about relationships, doesn't it? That if you're not married to the love of your life, that you have missed out in some way, some shape, some form. I did a post on social media about this, just trying to see how many people believed in the love of your life statement. A lot of them said absolutely yes, and one person was actually married to her high school sweetheart. There were some that messaged me separately and said, um, no. There were two people that I love their responses, and it really was just so relatable. One of them said, well, how would you even know if you're married to the love of your life? That's a valid statement. I mean, in order to know you're married to the love of your life, you'd need to compare two things, right? One is better than the other. In the case of this person that's close to me, they're able to compare. She can look at what marriage was like with one person and look at what it was like with a second person and it can be totally different. But her circumstances in life were totally different as well. The first one, she was in the middle of raising kids and dealing with life's regular chaos and just trying to survive and make ends meet like all of us are. But in the second marriage, children were already grown out of the house. She could focus directly on her and the spouse. It was a different sweetness. Every marriage goes through those journeys, but were they really comparing apples to apples or apples to oranges? This other friend of mine who had made this statement, it was such a valid point. How would you know if you're married to the love of your life? How would you know what it's supposed to feel like or be like 
There's so many questions that are left up in the air if you actually think of it. Another friend said that she believes you can love deeply more than once. She went and told me the example of a friend of hers who had recently lost her husband. And they had been high school sweethearts, built this life together. And when he passed away, she was devastated. That was the love of her life. Now, after some time has passed, she is now in a relationship with another man. So why couldn't she love deeply more than once? Why does there have to be just one love of our life? I guess it really depends on what our interpretation is of that statement, isn't it? I mean, how many of us started on a path of being with the love of our life only to find out that that person wasn't what we expected them to be? You know, some of us ended up compromising ourselves, putting their needs and their desires before our own. Without knowing it, we subtly got so quiet that we no longer voiced our own opinion, where they want to go to eat, where they want to go to hang out, where they want to live. Sometimes we compromise more than just our opinion. If we didn't want to live with someone before marriage, but yet it was so important to them, and then we decided to do so, compromising ourselves in the process. Sometimes it's being intimate with someone before marriage. I know so many people in my life who said that they were going to wait for their spouse. They were going to be with just that one person, and most of them faltered. Someone else came along and helped them miss out on that path that they had promised themselves, swayed them in their decision to wait. Sometimes we rationalize the way that someone acts to us or to our family, and inside we're just thinking, oh, that won't last long. They'll get over it once they realize, dot, dot, dot. They'll learn to love my family, dot, dot, dot. Oh, it's just they've had a hard day, dot, dot, dot. We fill in the blanks for the excuses of however we want to convey it because honestly, it makes us feel better about our current situation. We want to be with this person. And sometimes we forget that what we're really striving for is to be loved wholly, unconditionally, with that person that's going to help lead us on our journey of life. The one that's going to be right beside us as we take all of the twists and turns that life holds. And sometimes those other paths that we've talked about lead us to thinking differently. We're thinking with our hearts, we think, but really what we're allowing is our emotions to sway us. We're allowing our emotions to justify any actions that we do. My daughter is in the process of dating and Guys are coming around, and she is so much smarter than I was at her age. I mean, for years, ever since she was little, we have been praying over a list of qualities that she has written down in a guy that she thought she would like. Now, they might have started with dark hair and blue eyes or different little things, but over time, as she started paying attention to what she was attracted to in other people, she would write down those characteristics instead. And she and I would both pray on him individually and sometimes together. Well, now that she's in college, she's taken this to a whole nother level, one I never would have even thought of doing. She has an actual interview process. If you want to date my daughter, you have to go through the interview. And the interview isn't just like going on a job interview where you sit down and have a conversation and you decide if you're right for the position. No, 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 no. My daughter puts some of these guys 
on a three-month waiting list. <laughs> she will interview them and talk to them about every detail from how they spend their time with their family, how they spend their time individually, how they handle their finances, what their ultimate goals and ambitions are. I mean, seriously, my life would have been totally different had I chosen to even think about those questions. I never did. But man, I am so proud of her because now she is left after a guy who's truly pursuing her heart, not just one that is pursuing her for any reason. It's to the point this last summer as she was talking to somebody that she and I had a conversation and she said, well, mom, he's got to like my family because if he's dating me, he's dating my family too. And she wants the same for that person. How amazing would it be if we actually looked at those situations differently? We didn't justify just how someone treated our family because we could put any kind of stamp on it that we want to. Let's be honest. When we are kids, we think of all the negative things that happened in our childhood. We will justify it each way back and forth. It doesn't matter. But the reality is our parents did the best they could. Regardless of our situation, our parents truly did the best they could. It may have been all they were capable of, and hopefully it was better than what they, their parents did. But at the end of the day, we still will criticize them and critique them on all the little imperfections that they made along the way. But at the end of the day, your family is who's going to be around you. So it's important to be equally yoked with somebody. It's so vitally important. That's why it's mentioned in the Bible. Do not be unequally yoked. And let me tell you from personal experiences, there's a reason it's said like that. When my husband and I got together, I didn't really think about the things he was doing. I didn't really think about the future. I was just thinking about the present moment. See, I had lost someone that at my young, ripe age of 18, I would have considered the love of my life. Everything kind of stopped when he passed away. I didn't have the dream life that we had pictured. I didn't have the kids that we had named already. Everything ended abruptly. And my heart didn't know how to restart. So when I started in a relationship, it was really built out of friendship. It wasn't anything more at the time. And over time, it developed and it developed and it developed. And that was a good thing. But the thing was, I was never looking for the love of my life because I was told inaccurate information. And at 18, I believed it. You will never love someone that way again. Oh, those are some hurtful words, people, especially if you take it to heart. So I carried zero expectation into my next relationship. And to be honest, I hated dating. So I just wanted to find the person, get married and start a living a life. Because eventually, you learn to love. Now I'm not saying I didn't love my husband. That's not it. I was just comparing it to a love that I had experienced previously. And a lot of us do that, right? We go into a relationship and we are carrying baggage, whether it's emotional baggage, whether it's a, a lost love baggage, whether it's a marriage that's gone wrong or a situation with our family that we are just trying to heal in a different relationship. Most of the time, even unknowingly, we will carry baggage into what's supposed to be a fresh start. And if we're not cautious, if we're not careful with our heart and our mind, it can cause 
a toxicity to it. For me personally, the toxicity was I was naive. I didn't realize that my husband's drinking and partying and, you know, sometimes some drug using was really an issue. I just considered it a growing up part of life that eventually that would just trickle away, especially when he and I had a very serious heart to heart. And I said to him, no matter what, I will never ask to change you. However, there is no place for what you're doing in my life, in my future. So if that's the path you want to go down, great, but it can't be with me. And he surprised me when he said the words, no, 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 that's not important to me. You're important. I just did this because I could. And he had done it for a while with his friends. So I naively believed that he was being wholeheartedly honest. And I think at the moment he was. It was the best that he could do. But when we have those things, those sins, those toxic habits and traits that we have allowed to accrue over the years, it's really hard to just turn around and say, nope, no more. So he did his best. But it wasn't until six months into our marriage that I realized that he had never stopped. It wasn't until six months into our marriage that he slipped up just enough for me to know. See, his omission to me in his eyes was just an omission. It was just something he left out. To me, it was a deep lie that cut hard and deep in my heart. And I never really fully recovered from that point on. I can remember exactly where I was standing in my hallway in our little bitty house that we had. I can remember exactly how I felt trapped. And sometimes when we're in a situation and love and hearts are involved, we can easily feel trapped when things don't go as expected. There's all kinds of things that can get in the way of the love of your life or the path of love or whatever you want to label it. It can be addictions. It can be omissions. It can be adultery. It can be financial hardships that actually bleed through because there's gambling involved. It can be a shopping addiction. There's so many things that happen that impede our progress of love in a situation and in a relationship. That's why it's so important that we have something stable to lean on, something that is going to give us the strength when we don't have the strength. There are so many things that we can turn to, friends, sure. We can turn to the elder ladies around us and lean on their wisdom and their guidance. But that's only going to get us so far because that's the human strength that each of us have. We have to lean on God and his word in order to get through all these situations. There's a verse in the Bible. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And a lot of us know this pretty well. It's spoken very often at weddings, and this is what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Did you listen to those words? Love is not jealous, boastful, proud, rude, demanding of its own way, it's not irritable, and it keeps no record of wrong. Well, I don't know about you, but all of those things come across to me as emotions, the way that we react, the way that we feel. Now, even though I've experienced every single one of them in my marriage, I'm sure some of you can too. It'll be stressful when we have those things that come up, whether it's jealousy or boastfulness, proudness, rudeness, 
when we want our way and they do something different. But we have to stop. We have to not let that overrule our hearts because that's not what it's supposed to be. None of us will ever live up to any of those expectations. Sometimes someone is going to get jealous. Sometimes someone's going to be boastful or proud. I don't know about y'all, but if you've lived with anybody for any amount of time, someone is rude, whether the tone of their voice or what they say. And that whole keeping no record of wrong, yeah, I'm like the elephant that doesn't forget. Surely I'm not alone in that, right? We can remember exactly when they did that one thing and then we use that word that we should never use. You always do X, Y, Z. It's a very dangerous word, but so is that emotion of wanting to keep that record of what they did wrong because it'll justify our right. The thing that I omitted earlier was verse 7 because this is what I love the most about that entire verse. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and it endures through every circumstance. Those were the words that I clung to. That was me in my marriage when it was nothing like idyllic. It was the complete opposite. I had every right to feel all those different emotions for everything that was in the middle of it, especially 13 years in our marriage when his addictions never went away, stayed very much hidden, and then they came to light in a horrible way when he left our child at the park. When something like that happens, there are no words. There's no comfort. There's only sadness. But in that same moment, what felt like an eternity and was really only seconds when everything was unfolding around me God literally had sent an angel to remind me he was in control of everything he had all of this already taken care of but I had a choice nobody would have questioned how I handled that I totally was justified in any emotion that I wanted to say, do, and act on. But really, if I hadn't been in that moment, if I hadn't seen God literally deliver my son safely back home, I would have never truly started to experience what he can do. You see, I never would have willingly wanted to walk through that situation that we were in. I never would have ever envisioned wanting to hurt my husband as badly as I wanted to hurt him. But that was also the moment that God opened my eyes and he was saying, I'm bigger than this. I'm going to use this evil that you see around you and I'm going to turn it for good. That was the first turning point in my life. I stopped having one foot in my Christian walk and one foot in my worldly life and I decided to wholeheartedly submit to my heavenly father because in all honesty I had nothing else to cling to. He was the only hope I had in that moment. The most amazing blessing in all that is he used that moment to captivate my husband's heart too. He used that moment to let him see what his worldly life 
was doing to him, to his family, what it would cost him if God hadn't stepped up and intervened. He took my husband, who was against the church at that time, and he morphed him into a man that now serves every single week, who has a heart for Christ and to show others his love because of what Christ did through him. Once I made God the priority in my life and I didn't allow myself to get distracted by other things that were constantly vying for my attention, I realized that Christ was the love of my life. He was the one thing that I was living for. He was the one I wanted to make the most proud of me. I wanted him embedded into every detail and every fiber of my life. I turned my viewpoint from a human love of my life which will always fail in some capacity because it's a human person who is always going to mess up in some way, shape, or form, even if it's unintentional. That person will always falter. And I decided to turn my viewpoint towards the real love of my life, the one who created me, the one who knit me together in my mother's womb, the one that will never leave me or forsake me. My love for my husband evolved too. I mean, I won't lie to you, after that event in our family, I didn't like him, let alone use the word love for a very long time. My emotions were really fighting with this Christian spirit that was rising up in me. So I ask you today, what is your perception of love? Are you willing to bring God into the mix? I think that he can be incorporated into every fiber, every detail of your life, but also in your marriage, in these relationships that we are building, if we allow him to, he will be incorporated in all those little aspects. So if your foundation is built on God and then your marriage, you are always going to be looking to him. And because of him, he will strengthen your unity. He will strengthen the things that you have to offer to each other. No matter what wide path that you may go down, that will turn towards heartache or pain when life ends up inevitably happening when our emotions get in the way and detour the path of love that we are on because he is our foundation it will not falter it will not sway it will only get better but we have to go through that path sometimes we have to go through that journey to truly see him for what he is the person who is in charge of it all, the person who has known every detail and every fabric of your life. And he's already preparing you. He's just saying, hey, I need you to trust me. I need you to have the faith in me, just like he has the faith in us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love is great and love is the basis of all things. But if our love is put in one who will falter, it will always fail. We have to make sure that we are looking to the one who created the perfect example of love, the perfect example of sacrifice, the one that can cast out any fear that we have pertaining to even adventuring on the path of love or trying to find love again when we're in our marriage and we've been hurt. And it's Jesus. Jesus is the one we need to be pursuing. Because without him, we wouldn't be able to navigate this life without being hurt, without being negative, without being resentful, 
We would base every single decision on our emotions and miss out on all the blessings love has to offer. I am 100% proof of that. I would have missed out on all the amazing things that God has done in spite of that situation if I had just reacted on my emotions, which would have been 100% justified. If we all allow him to lead us, he will do the right thing. He will bring us the perfect person. It may not be who you thought it would be. If you're not married, it may not be the person that you have in your mind right now. It may not even be someone that you're in a relationship with right now. If you are married, it may not be the person that you are with right now. And I say that not mentioning divorce, but my husband is not the person that he was back then. God literally created him new and made me a new husband when he had a heart living for Christ. So where are you when it comes to love? Are you navigating the path for the first time? Are you in a marriage now only to find yourself lost in the process and you don't even know who you are anymore? Or are you someone who has been hurt deeply by your spouse? Are you someone that your emotions are running so rampant in your life You are doubting if you are even in love with the person you're with or the spouse that you're married to. And you're wondering, well, was I ever in love with them? Are you in love with someone because you just think they are the one, even though you know they are toxic? You just don't want to believe that they are because you love them. I think God knew that it would be hard for us. I think he knew it would be difficult. He knew that it would get so hard at times and downright exhausting trying to navigate through this terrain of loving people who will inevitably fail you. That's why he showed us the ultimate sacrifice. He showed us what agape love is. And it is a choice. It requires faithfulness, commitment, and sacrifice without expecting anything in return. Love doesn't come naturally to us. Love is a choice that we have to make. But the closer we draw to him, the closer he can show us what love really is, what it really means, and what he can really do. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for always guiding us, for knowing what's best for us, I thank you for being willing to let us falter some, but catch us every single time. So for anyone right now that is stressed about their marriage, or their heart is aching because of a situation that they are in, or someone who is trying to decide if this is the person they're supposed to be with, or if this marriage is even worth saving, Lord, I ask you just to intervene in the entire situation, get control of the hearts, get control of the chaos, and show them, like you showed me that day, you're there. You've got this. We just need to press in in our faith and lean on you in total and utter trust, and you'll see us through. It's in your son's heavenly name we pray. Amen. Until we meet again next week, sisters, know that you are being thought of that you are being prayed for. I'll talk to you soon.